Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we launched a series of messages that we entitled Stronger Bonds. And uh, we began in week one, of course, talking about how to have stronger bonds in our family. And, of course, you remember from that 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 is to have God at the center of it. He is the essential. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And uh, then we moved from that. I was able to tag team last week with my darling wife, Pastor Lisa, and we shared with you about having stronger bonds in our marriage And I'm happy to say that she has put up with me today, 23 years, right? Awesome. So anyway, this is the moment that I say I love you, baby, and I would do it all over again. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, so this morning, we're going to talk to you for a minute about stronger bonds in our church. Stronger bonds in our church. Let me tell you, it's important to have great relationships in your home. It is vital that you have great, a great relationship with your spouse, but it is also vitally important that you have great relationships with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. That it not just simply be that your four come to a place and set for the duration and leave and go home, but you need the strength and the, and the brotherhood and the camaraderie that comes through fellowship with other believers. That's why in the book of Hebrews, the writer urges us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, okay? So there's, a, there's an important value to the body of Christ. There's an important value to the church, and we hope to uncover some of that together this morning. So let's talk about the primary reason that we're all here. How did we get here to this place? What brings us to church? There may be a variety of reasons today why you and I hang around the church, but generally speaking, there's only one primary reason that we would first come to church. And the reason that we first come to church is because of a felt inner need. We just we know the Holy Spirit begins to deal with our hearts, And we know that we have need of something. And as the Lord continues to deal with our hearts and we continue to see the condition of our lives and those things are opened up to us by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, then we know that what we have need of is something that we cannot supply for ourselves. So then we have to begin looking and we search and we search. We're hungry for something. And as we search through the world, maybe there are a lot of people that search in a lot of places to find that fulfillment for that inner longing that they know they're lacking before they ever come to church. Some people seek it in relationships outside of a relationship with Christ. Some people seek it in popularity or fame or fortune. But we know at the end of the day, it can only be found in one place, and that is in Christ Jesus. So, we we know that there's something that's missing. And once we came through the doors, we found a message that communicated to us the supply for our needs. We come in, and we're searching, and we're seeking, and the gospel is preached for you. How many of you know that 
at the season and the time when the Lord was dealing with your heart, that next week when you showed up to church for the first time, that that message was being preached for you. Come on, somebody. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's like somebody had been at your mailbox or they'd been listening to your conversations and they knew exactly what you needed to hear, but it was the Holy Spirit moving and that gospel was preached for you. The story is told how Christ came to earth for you, how he subjected himself to temptation and suffering for you, how he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. There's no doubt the sentiment, there's no doubt of the sentiment expressed by Jesus himself is certainly borne out in his own life when it says, when he says to his disciples, that is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give his life in exchange for many who are held hostage Jesus' ministry here on earth was for you. Let me, let me, okay, we got to stop. We got to go back to the basics, the fundamentals here. God's Son, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Skip down to verse 14 of John chapter 1. It says, and the word became flesh. That the very God of God looked at your situation, saw your need, and made himself lowly and humble and of no reputation and came and took on the form of a servant. And being found in the form of a servant, he became obedient to the death, even the death of the cross. His ministry was for you. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? His suffering was for you. Jesus' substitutionary death on the cross was for you. But how many of you know that once we receive that ministry, life begins to change? Not only do we know what it's like to experience freedom and redemption from sins, not only do we walk in the newness of life, spiritually speaking, and sometimes we don't spend enough time emphasizing this, but at the moment we receive salvation into our lives, not only is there a change in practice, in other words, as the word says, let him who steals, steal no more. As the word also says that we're to put away wrath, malice, anger, and lying. Not only are we to change our practice or our behavior and we begin to behave like the redeemed of the Lord, but there's also a change in our purpose. There's a change in our purpose. The purpose for which we came to church was to have our needs served, but we continue, to, and, and we do continue to have our needs served and met by the Lord as we continue in fellowship with the body of Christ, and we should be continually growing in the things of the Lord. But one of the main purposes for which we should remain in the church is to serve Christ and others. And, and we're going to see in just a bit that this is one of the ways whereby we grow and have our own needs met. There's many things about the kingdom that I don't understand. I don't understand how that if I give 10%, God can do more with the 90% than I could have done with the 100. 
I don't also understand, I also don't understand how it is that if I will deny myself, take up my cross and follow him, if I will seek first his kingdom, if I will put his will first place, if I will honor others above myself, God will take care of me in ways that I couldn't begin to take care of myself. The other day I was in conversation with someone and and they reminded me of an acrostic, and you've got it there in your notes this morning that, that they keep in their Bible that somehow summarizes how we find true and real lasting joy. And it's simply the word joy. And the first one is Jesus first. As it says in Matthew 6, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We must all confess that there are times when the sum total of our prayers has been trying to convince God why our will needs to be, why our wants need to be supplied. But Jesus didn't die a substitutionary death to redeem you for your glory, but for his. I want to say that again. Jesus didn't die a substitutionary death to redeem you for your glory, but for his. So as we're seeking the order of our lives, we need to prioritize to put Jesus first because we have been redeemed. Yes, his ministry was for us, but his ministry was to redeem us for his glory. He must be first in our lives. Our primary satisfaction in life must be found in knowing that we are in the center of his will and that his purpose is being accomplished through our lives. Oh, is for others. Others are second. Others are second. Let me tell you something. This, this one principle right here can go so far in building stronger bonds in the body of Christ because the biblical directive for you and I in the church is this, and it's found in Romans 12.10, and it says this, be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. And, and sometimes this is hard to comprehend because as I said in the opening, you know, we, we bring our family and we think it's important that we have strong bonds in our home and our family and that we have strong bonds in our marriages, but we really don't think a lot about it as it pertains to the body of Christ. But the commandment of the word is that we are to be devoted to one another in love. So everything that you've heard over the last two weeks about relationships in your home and in your, with your marriage and different things, it's all applicable to the body of Christ, at least in principle. In some way, it's, it's applicable. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above who? Wait, time out. I know Paul did not just tell me that what I'm supposed to do is to put myself second, third, last place. Is that what you read? That's what I read, is that I'm to put others above myself. I'm to honor you more than I prefer myself. 
Other places, Paul goes on to say, as much as it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. How does that happen? That happens because I prefer you above me. At the end of the day, the most important thing to me is that we walk away from the situation in the bond of unity and in the bond of brotherly love. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And here's the hard part, is that you've got to put yourself last. You say, Pastor, show me scripture for that. Thank you. I'm glad you asked. Mark chapter 9, verse 35 says this, Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And the servant of all. So this little acrostic will help you promote stronger bonds in your church family. If you don't take anything else away today, take away that little word joy. Jesus first, others second, and I'm last. And I heard, I heard a guy tell me, one, he was preaching to a crowd one day, and he said the title of his first message was, Jesus is first, others are second, I'm last, and there's no room for the devil. So if you want to add that down there, that's, that's great. I, I like that. So, so why is having stronger bonds in the church such an important issue? Let me tell you something. I want to go back to that, that word there where it says, be devoted to one another in love. You know, for many people in our society today, church has become an elective. It's seen as non-essential for the Christian life. And people defend that position with statements such as, you know, I can be a good Christian and not attend church. I, I don't have to attend church to be as good as the people who do. Right? You've heard that one before, right? Well, I don't attend church and I'm just as good as so-and-so, you know. Well, if, if church was all about us, then statements like these may have some grain of validity. But while these statements may contain some bit of truth, they are not reflective of God's purpose for the church. Understand this, that we didn't create the church. We didn't sanction the church. We didn't ordain the church. God did. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's God's church. It's God's church, and he ordained it, and he purposed it, and he fashioned it with, an, with a goal in mind, and God has a purpose for the church. And the purpose of the church is not so that we can have a space to come in and compare ourselves to one another and figure out whether we're as good as the next person or not. It's not for us to be in contact with other professing believers so that we can measure our moral superiority and try to figure out whether we're more righteous than the next person or not. It's for us to have a community of believers with whom we share like faith, who encourage one another, who care for one another, who pray for one another, and together we experience and grow in the things of the Lord, and together we celebrate what God is doing in our lives. Do you know why we come in here on Sunday morning and we have the worship team up here to lead us in different things? It's not to prime your pump to get you ready to worship the Lord. It's to provide all of us corporately an opportunity to celebrate what God has been doing in our lives all week long. I got to tell you, 
I love Pastor Trey, and I love his ministry, and I love what he does, but I don't need that to get me hyped for Sunday morning. If I've been walking in fellowship with the Lord, I'm ready to see somebody else in the house and declare together with them the goodness and the mighty works of God and to praise him and bless his name for what he's been doing in my life all week long. But Jesus, God has ordained the church to have a collaborative group of people who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and who understand their God-given purpose to employ their respective gifts and talents in the spirit of unity under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and evangelize the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're here. We're called together as a body, not just to exist here at 5005 Quarry Road, but to come together, worship the Lord together, be inspired, be encouraged, to be lifted up and to be edified, to be able to go out and infiltrate this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In short, God has commissioned and ordained the church as an agency to evangelize the world with the good news of Jesus Christ and to carry, that, carry on the same work that Jesus begun when he was here on earth. You are to be an extension of the ministry, the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. We're to be an extension of that work. We're to carry that work on. Hey, I don't like the way society's headed either. I don't like things, the immoral things that are being legislated in our government. I don't care for it at all. But the thing is, we're not called just to simply sit around and gripe about it and moan about it and put people down. We're, we're called upon to pray for them, to lift them to the Lord, and to be a voice for the gospel and be a voice for morality. And if I could say one thing on the issue without waxing political this morning, and honestly, a lot of this stuff has nothing to do with politics. It's all about the fact that a sleeping giant has, has, that a giant has fallen into a slumber. And it is the church of God in the United States of America. As goes the church, so goes the society. I'm telling you, what I'm talking to you about today is important because I love the feeling that I feel when I come into this place. I love the spirit of unity that resides here. I love when we go down to team huddle on Sunday mornings, when I walk into Bible study on Wednesday evenings and different things like that, the absolute hardest task of my week is to stop the fellowship. And to say, okay, folks, we're, we're here right now for a little different purpose. But there's just such a spirit of love and a spirit of camaraderie and, and just, just care one for another. People are sharing and exchanging things that are going on in their lives, and it's awesome. It is so awesome. But we are here. That's why Paul identifies us as the body of Christ. 
We're to be doing the work of Christ. We're here to carry out the work of Christ in representing his needs here on earth. That's why Paul says that we are Christ's ambassadors. Peter says that we're to follow in his footsteps. Paul again urged the believers to imitate him as he imitated Christ. And the reason why having great relationships and stronger bonds with our brothers and sisters in Christ is a big deal is because that is what Jesus said would be the trademark that would authenticate us as representatives of his kingdom work here on earth. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not your great worship service, not your wonderful facilities. Not the great teams that you put together, not the wonderful structure and the, and the, and the flow charts and, and any of those things. Your love for one another is what's going to prove to the world that you're mine and I'm yours. As a matter of fact, Jesus is so passionate about that that in one place in Scripture he says this, if you come into the temple to worship, if you come before the altar to worship, to make a sacrifice, and you remember that you have aught with your brother, leave your sacrifice and go quickly and reconcile and then come back. Then come back. Why? Because your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. This is is how they're going to know that you're mine. You know, nobody looks at a divided body, at a severed body, and says, oh, I want to be a part of that. Nobody looks at a body of people who profess one thing and practice another thing and say, hey, sign me up for that. I've always wanted to be a part of a hypocritical organization. No, no, no. They, they look on at those types of things and they say, listen, I don't want any part of that. I've got enough drama in my life without any of that. I need a place where I can go and people are going to love me and people are going to pray for me and people are not going to judge me, but they're going to lift me up. And when we walk with one another as prescribed in the Bible... There will be found in the midst of God's people a love and an authenticity that is rare in this world and it's attractive to people and they say with so much hate and so much strife in the world, if I could find a community of folks who would support and love me like that, I want in. Tell us, what must we do to have what you have? And that's when we just collectively look and say, well... We're no better than you are. There's nothing special about us. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Welcome home. Welcome home. Do you want to receive Christ? That's the only thing that separates us from anybody else in the world. So let's return to the initial concern. We started off with that we came to church because we were concerned about us, about our eternity, about our condition, our position before the Lord. But we learn that once we come to Christ that 
our perspective and our purpose kind of shifts and we realize that we're part of something bigger than us. We, we are a part of the organization that God Almighty has tasked with evangelizing the world and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? So where am I in all How do I fit into all of this? Well, I'm glad you asked. Sometimes I just build questions into my message for you. Needless to say, the church functions best when there are strong and lasting bonds between believers. And many times we have a the, the, the resistance to that or the deterrent of that, I should say, the reason that strong bonds sometimes don't thrive is because we have a hard time releasing that primary reason why we approach church to begin with. There's some people who've been to church 10 years, 15, 20, 25 years, and they still haven't got over the question, how can I meet my needs? How are my needs being met? We, we have a hard time setting aside our needs, our wants, and putting ourselves in last place and living and working for something outside of ourselves. So oftentimes we see it happen that folks will make their church attendance about their personal preference and they're, they're only happy when things are the way that they like it. But can I just offer this to you as gently and, and graciously as I can this morning and say this, that satisfaction at a preferential level is the most superficial level of satisfaction. Because what happens the first time that it's not your way? What happens the first time that it's not to your liking? If our joy and satisfaction is built on having our preference satisfied, what happens the first time that it's not? Our joy is gone. Our satisfaction dissipates. And, and it's, it's gone. It, it's, it's lifeless. It's void. But let me tell you, the greatest satisfaction that we'll ever experience in church is when our dedication is to something greater than satisfying our own preference. And we become a part of fulfilling God's purpose for the church in our generation. When we can look at the end of the day and realize that God is using us to impact a generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's when you're going to be most satisfied. That's when you're going to have that deep sense of, familiar, of, of, of fulfillment See, the caveat of serving in this way is that seeking first the kingdom of God, preferring one another more than ourselves, is that you can't outgive God. And when you commit to take care of God's business, He'll take care of your business in ways that you couldn't even have imagined taking care of business. The Word says that He is the God who does exceedingly, abundantly above everything that we ask or think. If we will put His will above ours, if we will prefer others more than ourselves, if we can come into the body of Christ, as Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, and deny ourselves and take up our cross and become a servant to all, I promise you that he will give to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. 
This is not a prosperity message. It's not all about money. But it's about spiritual blessing. It's about joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's about peace that passes all understanding. It's about intangibles that money can't even buy. But if you are pleasing God and we're operating as a church body the way God intends, it's what he'll do. Because it's what he has promised. And he who is promised is faithful. Now, I'm not just speaking about working here, although that's part of it. I'm speaking about, you know, times that you refuse to participate in the gossip. To say, I, I don't know who you're talking about, but that's my brother. That's my sister. This is where the story ends because now we're going to lift them up in prayer. We're going to believe God to help them through whatever hardship they're facing, whatever difficulty they're going through. I'm speaking about times when we refuse to be a part of tearing down a brother or sister in Christ or anything that the Lord is doing through the church. I'm speaking about the times when we lay aside our own conveniences to see a brother or sister encouraged or ministered to in the things of the Lord. You say, well, pastor, that sounds great. How can we do that? And you guys, I appreciate you guys' inquisitiveness this morning. <laughs> First of all, you can pray for your church. Pray for your church. Pray for your ministry leaders. You don't know... And I'm not here with a martyrdom story this morning. I love what I do. I love it. I love it. I love it. I can't think of doing anything else. And I realize that the moment I can think of doing something else, that's exactly what I need to go and do. Because Paul said, had such a strong calling on his life, he said, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. I've got to do what God called me to do. Jesus said, did you not know that I must, be about my, I must be about my father's business? But can I tell you something that for every great dream and every great plan, not only that myself, but Pastor Trey and Pastor Lisa and Pastor Jason and Pastor Glenn and every other ministry leader in this church, that for every great dream and every great plan that they have that the adversary has a great opposition and a great deterrent that is aimed at their lives to tear them down to destroy them to fill them with doubt to fill them with fear and to just overshadow their lives and 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 cause them to release the joy and the peace that God has given them and he's called them to walk in lift them up and pray for them Number two, how can we do this? We can serve together. Let me, let me back up here to pray. To pray. Did you know how difficult it is? You don't just need to pray for your leaders and pray for this church in general and its ministries, but you need to pray for one another. Because do you know how difficult it is to not walk in unity with someone that you are sincerely praying for? It's a, it's a difficult task. If I am earnestly and sincerely praying for you, 
and we are agreeing together in prayer about a common objective. And that is to reach this lost world with Jesus Christ. The bond of unity will be strengthened in the body of Christ. Number two, serve. You can serve in your church. How many of you know that, you know, we, we sometimes sign up to serve and we think that we're going to be a blessing to somebody else? <laughs> Whoever laughed, that was a great response. So many times I've found it to be that as I commit myself to service and I feel like I'm doing God or somebody else a great favor, I walk away humbled and I walk away a lot more blessed by the individual I was serving or the group I was serving than I feel like I was able to bless them. And again, there's something about the spirit of a team and the camaraderie of saying, hey, I'm working with you. We're working together. We're going to make great things happen. I've said this before in Team Huddle, and I, I use it to encourage all of the people who, who come and attend there, but I want to say it to you corporately as a body. That when God's vision for this body unfolds, and you look around and you begin to see people that God is saving and doing tremendous things in their lives, and you begin to hear the testimonies of people that have been freed from drug addictions and terrible family situations and abuses and all those things, when you see the restorative work of God unfolding in the lives of those people, it's not going to be the story of Pastor Steve and Lisa who led this church. It's not even going to be the story of a great pastoral team or a great ministry team. It's going to be the story of a body of believers who prayed earnestly and believed together for God to do great things and everybody set their hand to the plow together and said together we're moving forward and together we're going to take territory for the kingdom of God. Together we're going to stand against the gates of hell and darkness in this community. Together we're going to move out. We're going to take new territory. We're going to overcome obstacles. We're going to move towards our destiny. We're going to do it together. We're going to serve and we're going to believe together. Let me give you one final thing, and this is a shameless, shameless plug. And I'm not in the least embarrassed to make it but seize the opportunity number three seize the opportunity to connect on a deeper level with people from your church I love that you're here this morning and I encourage you to be here every Sunday morning at 1030 it is a wonderful time of celebration it's a wonderful move of the Holy Spirit. We really just believe God is doing great things in our worship service. But when you sit on this side until 
from 10.30 to 12, and a group sits on this side from 10.30 to 12, and a group sits here in the middle from 10.30 to 12, and when I say amen, you all get up and hit different exits on the door way out, and I won't even talk about what time you get here. <clears throat> but it's not, Sunday morning is not necessarily conducive to growing strong relationships with others in the body of Christ. We love that you're here today and we believe that the worship celebration is very important, but every ministry here has a purpose. And in as much as this is for us to celebrate corporately and be encouraged corporately, we have connect groups. We have study groups. We have any number of ways for you to get together. We have ministries to participate in. And it offers opportunity for you to grow together and connect on a deeper level. I love the testimonies that I've been reading, that I've been seeing on social media from people about things that are going on in their connect groups. How many of you are involved in a connect group? Real quick. Awesome. Wow. Don't you love it? Do you love it? Would you trade it for anything? Right? Isn't that an awesome ministry? Why? Because you get to know people. You get to connect on a deeper level with other people. I, I urge you today, if you haven't jumped in on a connect group, do that. If you're not able to make it out, if you're not coming to midweek, listen, we've got stuff going on midweek at 7 o'clock here at the church. We've got... Uh, connect groups that happen on Sunday afternoons and Friday nights and Saturday evenings and, and all other times, and you need to avail yourself to the opportunity. You say, well, I'm too busy for that. I want to tell you something. Life's too hectic to not have that. Life's too busy and life's too hard and life's too difficult to not have that level of fellowship with somebody else in the body of Christ to encourage you, to pray together with you, and to lift you to the Lord. I'm believing for great things in 2019. I am. And as you're standing all across this congregation this morning, let me mention this to you. I, I believe... I believe in the ministry of preaching, of, of preaching the gospel of Jesus. I believe in that. It was so essential to the early church that when people came to the early apostles and said, hey, we've got these issues going on, they said, hey, anoint you some guys and take care of it, but we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So I believe in that. And I, I don't know what you think about my preaching etiquette or style or anything else but when God does great things in this church it's not going to be suddenly because I received or my wife receives or somebody else on this staff receives some kind of extra special anointing to share the word alone that, it won't, that won't happen in, by itself but it's going to be as we come together as one body, united in the Spirit, 
and anointed by the Holy Spirit and making ourselves available to be used by God in this generation. We're going to share a lot more about that next week as we talk about our vision and moving forward. But you understand that this message here is so vital, so vital for you and your spiritual walk and your spiritual development that it can't be just about my family coming in and what we do here on Sunday morning. It's got to be about our family collectively. Faith Assembly, this is where God called you. This is where God planted you. Now let's grow together. And let's focus on stronger bonds in the body of Christ. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.